swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. When you're not yourself, and it's kind of noticeable to others that something's off. You know, you're not having a good day. You're not having a good week. What? What is it? What's bothering you? What? What is it that's got you in the funk that you're in right now? And then you're like, "Oh, is it that noticeable?" I, I didn't know. I thought I was the only one who who felt this way. Well, the Mariners are in a funk right now. They're eight and eleven to start this season, and it, something feels a little off right now. And not to say that it's not fixable for sure. Like it, it is definitely fixable. You still have. What nearly a hundred and I think you got one hundred and forty three games left in this season. Like that is plenty of time to fix uh, what has ailed this team to start the season over the season's first nineteen games. But it's the things that have made the Mariners kind of what they are over the last couple seasons that, to me, is the most interesting thing about uh, the the slump that I think the Mariners have fallen in. Two here to start this season. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings. We join you every single Mariners off day during the regular season and postseason. And uh, I really appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday evening here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. We're with you until 9 p.m. tonight. You can catch the podcast at seattlesports.com if you miss any second of the next two hours. But you look at the Mariners' records in one-run games and extra innings over the last couple seasons, and it's pretty staggering, really, to see just how good they have been in those tight situations, in those really close situational games. And you look at last year, the Mariners in one-run games were 34-22 and with a 6.07 win percentage. In extra inning games, they were 11-5 and with a 6.88 win percentage. In 2021, the Mariners were 33-19 and in one-run games with a 6.35 win percentage. And in extra inning games, they were 14-7 and with a 6.67 win percentage. So close ball games are where this Mariners team have made their bread and butter over the last couple of seasons. They have been the very best team in baseball in back-to-back years in one-run situations. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's something that just kind of happens. I think that's how this team has been built. And we're starting to see just kind of how tough it is to play at that clip every single year, especially, you know, you play in close games, there's going to be some happenstance that that changes the outcomes of games that's just how it is you're going to run into luck uh or or unlucky situations i should say at intervals where normally you'd expect it to turn out another way you look at the mariners bullpen right now not at full strength you don't have andres munoz matt brash a guy who you kind of pegged as a, a potential high leverage guy hasn't really delivered to this point in the season there are other names in that bullpen that haven't lived up to it uh who were you going to get to replace Eric Swanson in the bullpen? That hasn't really emerged yet either. So you look at this Mariners team right now, that is one issue for sure. But also offensively, we're looking at an offense right now that once you get past spot six in the lineup, 
uh, specifically spots seven and eight, it is really bleak uh, at that part of the lineup. And I think that's also a big reason as to why we're seeing these one-run games and these extra inning games go the complete opposite way for the Mariners to start this 2023 season. Uh, I think it was interesting, Aaron Goldsmith, who was on with Bump and Stacy uh, either last week or the week prior, I think it was last week, uh, was asked, you know, if he notices anything different about these Mariner games that than in years past, and he said not really because they're still playing a ton of extra inning games. They're still playing a ton of one run games. It's just that they're going in a complete different direction than what we've seen them over the last few years. I, I to me, when you tow that thin line, that razor thin line of one run ball games. You can't really be surprised if some of them don't turn out your way just because of the sheer number that the Mariners have played uh, in 2021 and 2022 and so far to start this season here in 2023. I mean, seven of their 19 games have been decided by one run or less. In fact, they've only played four games total where they've been decided by more than five or more runs. Uh, you know, extra innings, they're 0 and 4. In regulation, in, in nine inning games, they're actually above 500, eight and seven. So you can look at it like that. If a game finishes in nine innings, the Mariners have a, a more than 50% shot of winning it so far this season. But the struggles beyond the ninth inning and the struggles in close ball games this year, to me, this is something that is just a byproduct of how they have built their organization, how they have identified at the major league level. We are going to pitch amazingly. We're going to play great defense, and we're going to win close ball games. And you have pitched varying levels. The starting rotation is sort of coming into order right now. You got a great start from Marco Gonzalez yesterday. Luis Castillo has been as advertised. Logan Gilbert has looked impressive at times. George Kirby is starting to get back to his form from a year ago. Like you're starting to see it from four out of the five guys in your rotation. Um, that fifth spot held down by Robbie Ray and Chris Flexen so far. Uh, you haven't gotten what you expected out of that, but that's not to say it can it can't get there at some point later on this season. But this Mariners team right now, if you lose your identity in that way, how can you pick it back up, or how can you win in other ways? Because if you force yourself to win in just one way, then you become a one-dimensional team. You are not multifaceted like some of the best teams in baseball. Take the Houston Astros, for example. Uh, we all know how deep their lineup can be at, at times, but they also have one of the best starting rotations in baseball. We know uh, that their bullpen last year took tremendous strides and became one of the very best in baseball after being one of the very worst the season prior. They won a World Series. That's who you're chasing in the American League West in terms of like direct competition. We played them in the playoffs a year ago. We saw how close the Mariners were to getting over that hump as they were in every single game against Houston down to the final inning. Uh, but they are a multifaceted team in that they can win various styles of play. They can beat you in a close ball game. They can beat you in a low-scoring game. They can also put you know double-digit runs up on the board if need be. That is, I, I think, the mark of a true contender in Major League Baseball is a team that can win in various styles, a team that can play uh, your style or their style, no matter the ballpark, no matter the time, no matter the situation. Whereas the Mariners, over the last couple of seasons, have wanted to get games in this close, you know, neck-and-neck style where... It, 
if they had a shot, if they were within one or two going into the eighth or ninth inning, or if they held a one-run lead in the eighth or ninth inning, you knew that they were going to be in it until the final strike. You knew that they were going to be in it until the last pitch of the game is thrown. And right now, this team just hasn't been on the lucky side of things in in that way. But also, they just haven't executed. They played a little sloppy. They have not been as sharp and as crisp as we've come to see them over, you know, these contending years, these years where the Mariners have gone back-to-back 90 wins. You don't win 90 games by accident in baseball. I don't think that's something that you can trip and fall your way into and be like, oh my gosh, we won 90 games. I don't know how that happened. Like, nah, you got to be consistent over the course of an entire summer to reach 90 wins. That is not something that just kind of falls out of the sky. There is something going on here. There's something going on to get the Mariners to that. But what is it right now that ails them? Is it the lineup or is it the bullpen right now? To me, I think the biggest concern is that lineup. It is the guys, specifically at second base in DH, it's it's the guys in that 7 and 8 spot in the order because you look at the top of the lineup, Julio, Ty France, Suarez, uh, Teoscar's, he's coming around right now. Uh, you're looking at Kyle Raleigh as well. You're looking at a, a top of the lineup that is – producing I wouldn't say it's where it needs to be for sure I, I would expect more power out of Ty I would expect more power out of Suarez going forward out of Teoscar going forward um you know Jared Kelnick in, in the sixth spot has been tr- tremendous this season but that seven and eight spot boy uh before you get to J.P. Crawford at nine it, it just it feels like it just kind of tanks all the all that you have worked up towards, and it came down to that last night. It came down to that with Tommy Lastella and Jose Caballero in the Mariners lineup. Those were the final two ABs of the game, and it ended uh, pretty much how you thought it would after Jared Kelnick got the RBI single. Those two spots right now are, are such glaring holes in this Mariners offense that I, I think the the longer you go without Taylor Trammell and Dylan Moore in your lineup, the more frustrations are, are going to mount. And I don't know if it's fair to pin the hopes of this Mariners offense or at least the hopes of the early season on those two guys who have missed all all eighteen all nineteen games so far. But you know what? A lot was riding on the health of Dylan Moore this season. A lot was riding on Taylor Trammell's ability to be the fourth outfielder uh, on this Mariners roster, and they haven't had that yet. And I think Dylan Moore, when he comes back, will probably slot in as a starting second baseman, but, boy, that's a rough rough landing for somebody that's kind of had to ease his way back into the starting lineup, that's kind of had to ease his way back into baseball activities here with that oblique injury. Is it fair? No, but that's just the reality of the situation. And the Mariners need those reinforcements in the very worst way. But look, could it have been avoided? Absolutely. You know, we we've talked all offseason long about the moves the Mariners didn't make, the moves they did make. Uh, but this is a situation they've been presented with, and yes, they could have absolutely done. Uh, I think a little bit more in their power to make sure that this lineup is longer, is not having these huge gaps in key spots and just handing two outs to the opponent uh, because that is not a winning formula. That is not a formula of a team that needs every out it can get in these close ball games. You're you're only given 27 outs per game. You cannot hand over, what, six to eight, six to nine outs per game just based off of 
two guys in your lineup, like you're already punting on a third of the game right there. It's it's a simple math equation. That can't happen. And the Mariners need to figure that out before uh, you know this problem kind of grows and grows and grows and, and gets out of hand. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings. We're going to talk more about this with Brandon Gustin, who joins me next, our secret special guest, every week at 7.15. Also in the show at 8 o'clock, we'll do a preview of this weekend series against the Cardinals. John Denton of Cardinals.com, he will join me to preview this weekend series against St. Louis. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll also hear from Ryan Roland-Smith. We'll hear from Mariners infield coach Perry Hill. There's a lot to get to in this edition of Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. I'm joined alongside now by a special guest, someone uh, who has never joined me before, at least this week. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Who, Brandon, the people were clamoring for you last week. You couldn't stop by, but you had more pressing needs. Tell the good people why you missed last week. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately unable to make it on to extra innings last week. But as you said, it was for good reason. I was on vacation and uh, – I left uh, I left my place up in Linwood with a girlfriend, and I came home with a fiance. So uh, it was uh, it was for good reason. Uh, we're obviously really excited about it. Uh, she's an only child, so her family's obviously uh, really really fired up for it. So uh, yeah, good good times here in our household. That's for sure. Well, I mean, if if you're ever going to be anywhere besides extra innings, whether it's as a guest on extra innings or if you're tuning in tonight listening to this or, or catching the podcast after it's aired. Uh, if you're gonna ever going to be anywhere else, I guess being engaged is a, a nice substitute. So, Brandon, congrats uh, again. I've, I've told you in person, but congrats again to you and Emily. <laughs> we're super it. thrilled for you guys. Uh, I know you were so desperate to get back to work, and, and after, <laughs> after a moment like that, uh, so desperate to talk to your boy here on Extra Innings. Um, unfortunately, Brandon, the Mariners got swept by the Brewers, so uh, that didn't exactly help matters. It didn't give you a soft landing. Uh, yeah, that series against Milwaukee, not a fun, uh, not a fun pill to swallow after taking three from Colorado. Yeah, it's a tough one, and it, it's partially because it's not like Milwaukee, who is playing really well. By the way, I think a lot of people kind of lose focus on that or lose sight on it. They're playing some really good baseball, but. Milwaukee's not a team that's going out there and just smacking the ball out of the ballpark, just going extra bases and and doing stuff like that. I mean, it was just kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts in a lot of ways. That extra innings game, um, you know, just just a lot of singles moving guys over, productive outs, just productive baseball. Uh, The loss yesterday, just I think it was, what, four or five singles in, in five or six batters, something like that, in that big inning that ultimately got them the win after the Mariners had been controlling that game for so long. Uh, so it, it, it's frustrating, and I think the the pitching has kind of turned a corner. Bullpen, um, you know, so, some some real good, some some poor. I think uh, Matt Brash hasn't quite lived up to that high leverage situation quite yet. Uh, but the rotation's been really good. It just it, it kind of like last year uh, when they had the early season struggles. A lot of it falls on the lineup, unfortunately. It does. It definitely does, especially that bottom half of the lineup. Uh, really, your seven and eight hitters, specifically kind of six, seven, and eight hitters collectively just have not really lived up to, or seven and eight hitters 
collectively have not really lived up uh, to expectations this season. We've got Brandon Gustin of Seattle Sports joining us here on Extra Innings. And, and Brandon, uh, just looking at this team right now, the identity of them over the last couple seasons has been winning those close games. It, it has been winning extra inning games, too, specifically. They've got a ridiculous win percentage in both. That has not happened to start the 2023 season. They're 0-4 in extras. I believe they're, what, 2-5 and in one-run games so far this season. Uh, what is it about these one-run games this season that we're seeing kind of go the other way now? The pendulum has, has shifted back the other way. Is it just simply luck not being on the Mariners' side, or is there something else to them not being able to eke these close ones out? There's definitely a luck factor to it. Uh, Jerry Depoto was on with Brock and Salk this morning and was kind of talking about, hey, when it seems like we're getting some traction in the lineup or we're getting something going, all of a sudden it, we look up and it's you know one of the two or three guys that's struggling who's up to the plate. It, it, you know, So it kind of works out that way at times. Uh, un- unfortunately, too, I think that because the, the lineup is scuffling quite a bit, uh, you, that is kind of in those pressure spots when you get guys that are pressing, guys that are trying to do a little too much. I think Jared Kelnick yesterday did a good job not doing that. You know that he would have loved to be the hero with the bases loaded in the ninth inning, trying to hit a walk off against his uh, against his hometown team, the kid he the, the team he grew up uh, cheering for when he was a kid growing up out there in Wisconsin. But he just went base hit up the middle. That's kind of what that's what they need. They just need guys to kind of stick to their actual approaches, not getting not getting too big, not trying to do too much, just work a productive at bat, work a productive out even and just move a guy over, especially in those extra inning situations that that you discussed. So uh, I think it's just a it's just a mix of a few things. And I do think that a lot of times, unfortunately, guys do try to do too much. So hopefully they can go out there. They face a pretty good St. Louis team who's also off to a slow start, but they won the central last year that they figure to be pretty good once again this year. If you go out and take two of three from them before that series against the Phillies, you'll at least be kind of on the up and up and feeling a little bit better. And hopefully a big part of that is that the bats have turned it around. You you mentioned Matt Brash earlier, and I mean, there was a ton of hype heading into this season about him, considering the finish that he had to 2022, where he was one of their best high leverage relievers. Uh, I think back to um, a few of his outings late in the season. I think back to the playoff clinching game against Oakland. I think back to uh, the 18 inning game against Houston. I mean, there were some pretty standout performances from him, which I think gave a lot of people some some hope heading into 2023. But it just hasn't been there for him to start this season. Uh, is it a, a command thing? Because that was always his big question mark before he made his major league debut. Is is could the command be there enough for him to be Come whether at the time of an effective starter or now an effective reliever. What are you seeing from him that is giving him some troubles right now? Yeah, the command hasn't quite been there, uh, unfortunately. That that's been a little bit of an issue for him. The swing and miss stuff is there. He's still striking out a lot of guys at a pretty high clip, but there are times where he's falling behind in the count. There are times where after he might have had a prolonged plate appearance that he's coming back and he's being really aggressive and guys are trying to jump on him, but. Uh, he's another guy. I mean, baseball is a lot. A lot of it, unfortunately, has to do with luck. And he has a really, really, really high uh, batting average against him on balls in play. It's like over 500. So when guys are putting the ball in play against him, they're finding holes. At some point, that's going to even out. He was about 320, 350 last year on batting average and balls in play. So, and right now, it's, again, 550. That, that'll even out at some point. Some of it's bad luck. Some of it is a guy gets a ball off the end of the bat that that finds a hole like that. That's going to happen. But ultimately, he has been able to get out of some of those situations because he has the swing and miss stuff. But 
Uh, again, the, the command just hasn't quite been there. You're seeing guys able to kind of piece together some at-bats against him that they really haven't had. And I think that Andres Munoz going down obviously impacts the team, but it's really affected Matt Brash and how he's been used. And unfortunately, in some of those key games, tie games, close games, he just hasn't quite lived up to that billing yet. He obviously has the potential. He showed that he can do that last year. But uh, w- until Munoz comes back, I mean, he he is going to have to try to step up in some of those situations because you know that he's still going to get r- uh, run out there at sometimes. Brandon Gustin of Seattle Sports joining us here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline on extra innings. And Brandon, uh, one comment that kind of stood out to me from Jerry DePoto today, uh, he was asked if the Mariners have enough firepower on offense, and he said, quote, no, not the way we're swinging the bat. I think there is a hole. I I feel like a move this early in the season would kind of almost maybe be a panic move or or just kind of like, ah, we didn't do enough, so now we're finally getting around to it. Uh, But it's pretty obvious to see looking at this Mariners lineup. It's not long enough. You know, there are some glaring holes at second base and DH right now uh, of the two spots. Which one do you think is going to get the fix uh, before the other? Cause I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to address both, uh, you know, at the same time. I, I think that it would probably be second base. And I know that a lot of people are more upset about the DH spot. Cause obviously you're not playing the field, so you have to impact the game on the hitting side of things. So if you if you're if you're DHing on any given day, but with second base, obviously Colton Wong has gotten off to just a you know terrible start. He's not played very well, but Jose Caballero, I think, has had some really good productive at bats in the two games that he's been able to actually get at bats. Uh, you know that Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty both can play second base, and they're both nearing returns to big league action. So that at least gives you a few other guys and guys that you know, guys that Scott Service trusts. So if it is a situation where Wong kind of takes a step back a little bit, you at least have two, three guys that you can run out there that uh, that either you know and trust or that at least in this limited action have, have stepped up pretty well. On the DH side of things, you know they're going to keep rotating it out. Maybe on a day where Tom Murphy is catching, maybe they do DH Cal Raleigh instead of giving him a true day off just because it keeps his bat in the lineup, and that's obviously somebody that has a lot of pop. Uh, I'd love to see for AJ Pollock to get going because I think especially with Kelnick hitting uh, Pollock isn't going to have quite as many chances to probably be in the everyday lineup un- unless he he's out there as a DH because Kelnick looks like a guy that's deserving to play against both righties and lefties. So they, they've got their options. Uh, I do agree. Yeah, it's probably too early to go out and make a move. Uh, you typically don't see trades in April or May that are of any kind of note or consequence, but I mean, if they're still having one or two just kind of black holes in their lineup by the time early, mid-June comes around, then, yeah, this is a team that has too much talent to kind of stand pat and wait until the end of July to to add another bat to the mix. Yeah, and I saw you tweeting the other day, and I, I'm in lockstep in this idea because it's an idea they did last year and the guy is producing right now. Uh, if it comes to this, is bringing back Carlos Santana because obviously Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. Carlos Santana's on a one-year deal with Pittsburgh, but he's got—I think he's got an OPS over 800 right now. Uh, like he looks like he's the old Carlos Santana, not the Carlos Santana that was just grounding out to the second baseman that's playing short right field a year ago. Like that could be an option if it comes down to it again. Oh, 100 percent, and I—I I think that. Just if you were to talk to people around the team, especially on the players and coaching side of things, I don't think they wanted him to go. I think that he got targeted by Pittsburgh really early, uh, earlier than probably a lot of people expected. He was one of the the earlier free agents to actually sign a contract. Uh, but he was somebody that meant a lot to that clubhouse. He was the guy, obviously, that 
that started the dance. He was somebody who was close with J.P. Crawford in Philadelphia. He's somebody who's known Julio Rodriguez for a long time, uh, kind of grew into that clubhouse leader. You kind of heard that he was maybe kind of a bridge between the coaching staff and the player side of things. He was somebody that Scott Service really trusted. So bringing him back at some point in time would not surprise me at all, uh, just because uh, he very clearly is well-liked, well-valued around this team. And as you mentioned, Pittsburgh is off to a pretty good start. Their lineup has actually been hitting really, really well so far. But O'Neill Cruz got hurt. and He's going to be out for a while. It's unclear how long Pittsburgh is going to be able to keep playing this kind of baseball, this hot baseball. Andrew McCutcheon uh, looks like 2013, 2014 Andrew McCutcheon right now. Who knows how long that's going to that's going to be happening. But the Pirates do seem like a team that with a guy like Carlos Santana on a one-year contract could absolutely send him back to Seattle. And uh, obviously, I'd love to see that happen. I thought they should have tried to re-sign him in the offseason. And uh, I would definitely keep an eye on it if uh, if I'm a Mariners fan looking for a trade down the line in a few months. He's Brandon Gustafson. He writes for SeattleSports.com. You know him, you love him, and he's back for one night only this week. Until next week. Brandon, really appreciate you stopping by. You have a great rest of your evening. Yeah, you too, see you, Raj. Take care, man. 15 minutes from now, we take a listen to what Jerry DePoto told Brock and Salk for his regular Thursday appearance on Seattle Sports. But up next, Ryan Roland-Smith, Mariners analyst. He sat down with Bump and Stacy earlier today to diagnose just what this Mariners team has been doing over the first three weeks of the season. That's coming your way next here on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports on the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. In 30 minutes, we sit down with John Denton of Cardinals.com to get a preview of this weekend series from the St. Louis side of things as the Mariners welcome to the St. Louis Cardinals, an unfamiliar opponent, I would say, to Seattle. That's courtesy of the new interleague rules, the new scheduling across Major League Baseball. We'll talk to him about that as well as what to expect from this Cardinals ball club over the weekend. In 15 minutes from now, we take a listen to what Jerry DePoto had to say with Brock and Salk earlier today on Seattle Sports. But right now, Ryan Roland Smith, Mariners analyst for Root Sports and the Mariners Radio Network, he sat down with Bump and Stacy and tried to put his finger on just who this Mariners team is after 19 games. Let's take a listen to what Ryan had to say. First of all, it is very tough to figure them out. Um, and, you know, I was talking to Curtis right before we jumped on. A lot of close games and a lot of losing ends of close games, a lot of extra innings all of a sudden. And the, these moments where you, and I don't want to sound typical because you know, you've lost Andres Munoz, but uh, where your bullpen gets absolutely stretched and then you're in a situation where you're relying on someone that you wouldn't want to rely on in certain situations because you put yourself in that situation, and then they have to go out and do it again, do it again, do it again. But it's hard to really pinpoint because there's some big contributors offensively. Mm-hmm. When you look at some of the categories, if you want to take a really deep dive, they're really similar, if not a little bit better than what they were in April last year offensively, to be honest with you. Um, there's a little bit more depth in the lineup. There's some guys who obviously need to pick it up, Colton Wong being one of them. Um, you know, a couple other guys need to pick it up offensively. But it's just it's one night it's good pitching, and then, but they're getting let down somewhere else. Another night it's this, another night it's that. So it's really hard to to figure it out. But it, there's a lot of similarities to last year. The the issue is though they're on the losing end of some of these one run games. And you know, and again, I'm not saying it's the bullpen's fault, but when you stress out your bullpen uh, the way you do when you have got these extra inning games or these high leverage three innings instead of one inning or two innings a night, well, that that's what happens. And let's not forget too. They play the Rockies, and they, they sweep them. They, they're just simply a better team. There's so many holes with the Rockies. That, that's a bad team. 
no offense to any Colorado Rocky fans if you're listening, but they are a team that's kind of pieced together. There's really no formula there. And then they face the Brewers. The Brewers are a really good team. And honestly, I draw a lot of parallels between the Brewers and the Mariners. The Mariners are just, you know, landing on the wrong end of the one, these one run, these close games and getting stressed a little bit in those late innings. So I think there's a lot of that to be said. Uh, as far as what this team is, I think they figured in 2022, I keep comparing them to, to mm-hmm. 2022. I think we started to figure that out once we got into late May, June. And I don't quite think we've figured out exactly what this team is just yet. Uh, I know that it feels like every week we talk about two positions in particular, but they continue to struggle, that second base and DH. I'm just going to focus on Colton Wong. Uh, Earlier today, Jerry Depoto was on with Brock and Salk and said, look, like we know who Colton Wong has been in previous seasons, and it just feels unsustainable for him to continue to be uh, hitting the way that he is. Like That's not the player we know we signed. Do you think that the best version of Colton Wong is in the past, or that there's still a really good version of Colton Wong that just hasn't quite surfaced? Yet. Well, I think there, I think there's a much better version of Colton Wong. I, I don't think it's you know a situation where obviously he's not playing to his potential because he just doesn't look and he just doesn't look comfortable at all. Now we saw you now Jesse Winker just rolled through town. We saw a little a couple of glimpses of him, and he looks and just talking to some people who worked out with him this off season and some of the the difference differences he made. Um, he looks like he's coming out of a really bad stretch he had with the Mariners, right? Regardless of any off-field stuff, I'm just talking about just straight numbers. Here's the thing. Now, Colton Wong, let, let's, you look five, you know, in the next five years as a player and, and things you learn as a player and everything else uh, about how, how to get yourself out of these situations. You just don't want where he comes into town for a year and then he's and then we get the bad batch of it. We get the growing pain version of it. Uh, we get that stretch of his career where he's in the midst of it, and he's figured things out off, uh, defensively. Then offensively, he slips, and now he goes off somewhere else, and then he moves on somewhere else. So that's the thing I worry about. Of course, he, he's he's better than what we're we're seeing right now, but it's on him. And I haven't looked through the month to months, but some guys can figure it out on the fly, and some guys kind of just cruise through the year and then they get to the winner and then they find themselves again because they've got the time to decompress. I hope he's not that version. Mm -hmm. That is for sure. I hope this is something where he can get beyond whatever he's dealing with. It's obviously psychological. It's not physical. Whatever it is psychologically, it's going on, whether it's just you can fall on the new team and trying to impress people or whatever it may be, but they only go so far. So hopefully this is something he can make and a really, really quick adjustment on the fly. Some guys can, some guys just simply can't do it. Ryan, naturally I I, I pull from my football experiences and, and look at this Mariners and try to compare some things and, and see what's going on. So I look at this lineup and there's been some movement over the past, what, few games. You, you, obviously, um, service is giving guys days off and he's trying to figure out what to do at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. What What's the best approach? Like, do you constantly make adjustments or do you kind of say, all right, these are the guys that we have. These are guys we expect to perform. Let's just ride it out and see what they can do. I think... In when you're looking at and, and this is why leaving spring training you try and project the lineup. I mean it's kind of especially with the Mariners too. And Stacy, to your point, you're talking about having no uh, DH performance, where you've got a guy who's a one-dimensional hitter who hits you know three or four in the lineup, just straight power. They don't play it that way, so you are going to see more movement in the lineup. So that's kind of their their way of going about things. On the flip side of that, 
Well, first of all, I will say this. As a player, you cannot expect to perform or underperform, or excuse me, underperform only and keep your you know, your fifth hole, sixth hole. Guess what? You're going to get platooned if someone else is hitting or you're going to slide down the lineup. Or so-and-so who's down hitting eighth or seventh is going to slide up and, and they've earned that spot. It takes a couple of weeks to figure that out, to really figure out what, what, what dynamic you have, who hits better behind this player or, or if you're right, left, matchups and all this kind of stuff. But the Mariners are in a situation right now where they're losing a lot of games. You do have some really good performance at the top of the lineup. But when you're talking about the bottom of their lineup, we saw this last year as well, you can't, you cannot go into every day expecting to guess what I'm hitting six, and I'm going to get mad if I'm not hitting six because because uh, I need to perform. That's where I'm comfortable. You have to earn that spot, and these players know that too. They absolutely know that, and all the guys, especially at the bottom of the lineup, understand that they've done it before. So, in, in regards, to, it depends on the team you have. If you have just this rock solid guy who hits for like a you know, I'm, I'm using extreme here but you have like an Albert Pujols or, or someone in the middle of the middle of that lineup a Jordan Alvarez or something like that I'm just trying to figure out the guys on different teams guess what that's where they sit in the lineup you're not, not going to move them not going to mm-hmm. move them around but with this versatility and the way they play this with the essentially non-traditional DH and you know uh, especially in the bottom of the lineup you, you have to expect that's kind of the way you, you should be approaching it uh, Andres Munoz will eventually be back. Dylan Moore will eventually be back. And Sam Haggerty will eventually be back. Thankfully for all three of those guys, uh, Robbie Ray a little further out, but I'm just going to focus on those three. Lately, whenever we've collective, we have talked about some of the struggles with the Mariners. We've been mentioning these guys. Oh, don't worry about second. I mean, Dylan Moore is coming back. So that's good. Do you think that that's just a way for maybe us to like just point to something and hope? Or do you think there is a reality that like, no, really, those guys can make a difference if they come back? Well, I think with Dylan Moore, the one of the reasons you're seeing Colton Wong struggle because he's playing lefties and righties. One thing with Dylan Moore is that he hits lefties really well. And so if you have a situation where you take some of the two things, number one, you take the pressure off Colton Wong having to handle lefties because uh, he doesn't do it as well as he does righties. Everyone knows that. So that that's one thing. Sam Haggerty, hey, look, uh, he's seen we've seen flashes of really good stuff from Sam Haggerty. They won a lot of games thanks to him last year, and you know, what, what do we call it, Swaggerty? Yeah, the, the, the whole the whole Swaggerty thing was was born and everything else. But I, as far as an impact to what we're seeing right now, um, it's not going to be a massive impact. He's going to be a role player. But I think with Dylan Moore, you, you mentioned – or just Munoz, yes, 100%. But as long as he's back, not rushed back, and he's healthy, that helps out that bullpen, especially if they're going to play these close games. But Dylan Moore, I, I really think, not because it's going to be an everyday solution, but he's going to get in there, face lefties, and do uh, and, and take the burden off, off Colton Wong a little bit. And also, too – to the second point of that, it, it does create a little bit of competition. All of a mm. sudden, Dylan Moore's like, hey, you know what? I can hit both. I can hit righties and lefties. Let's do it. I haven't really had a chance to play every single day in my career uh, and perform at that doing that. So let's go. And then Colton Wong on the flip side, he's like, you know what? Okay, now I'm, I'm going to get pushed here a little bit uh, when you're sitting out half the games because there's lefties pitching. So I, I think Dylan Moore, out of all those players you mentioned, I think Dylan Moore is going to be uh, a big one. Obviously, Andres Munoz. But also, to listen, Robbie Ray, man. he yeah. I just think he looks so good in spring training. He's throwing hard. And he, you know, everything was, was clicking. I was like, this is going to be a good year for him. And Luis Castillo and Robbie at the top, awesome. Um, but that, that's 
they need him back uh, soon. I, I think he's going to be back a little sooner than what we expect as well. I was just going to ask a follow-up uh, for that really quick. Um, is is the expectation mid-May and hopefully before then, or is the expectation that mid-May is the early point? Well, apparently, just talking to some people inside, there, they're like, he's getting very antsy about throwing. In other words, like, yes, I feel amazing. Let's go, um, which is a great sign, obviously. I would say, yeah, I would say mid-May, and the Mariners, uh, you know, usually, uh, you know, push it back if they can, and they don't get crazy with it. I think it'd be not any earlier than mid-May. Honestly, like just looking at the calendar on the on my screen right now, would be a little little crazy and a little um, way too urgent and a little risky. I think mid-May easily. But again, I think if you get here for four months, if you get a June, July, August, September of Robbie Ray throwing ninety-five, ninety-six. And punching tickets and having some of the stretches he had at the end of last year, I'll take it every time. So if they do have to push him back a couple extra weeks, talked about that, you know, Ty France the last couple of years as well. I think it's important to to they shouldn't have they shouldn't have that urgency just yet. Great stuff from Ryan Roland Smith. You can catch him Mondays with Wyman and Bob, Thursdays at eleven with Bump and Stacey. You can hear him regularly on the Mariners Radio Network pre and post game show, and then you can also catch him on Root Sports too as a studio analyst for them. Ryan is everywhere. We love having him on Seattle Sports for sure. Love talking to the big, love talking to the Aussie. When we return on extra innings, if you missed it earlier today, Jerry Depoto addressed plenty about this Mariners team, including their offensive struggles and just how he sees them digging out of the rut they've dug themselves into early on in this season. Don't go anywhere. We take a listen to that next. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Curtis Rogers with you until 9 p.m. Don't forget, John Denton of Cardinals.com will join me in 15 minutes to preview this upcoming series. Also in the second hour, we'll hear from Mariners infield coach Perry Hill, who joined the dugout earlier this week. But right now, Jerry DePoto, as he does every single Thursday, he was with Brock and Salk earlier on Seattle Sports, and he was asked a lot about this Mariners team to start this season. Here we are on April 20th. What does he make of them? And also, just what's the easiest, what's the quickest fix right now for this ball club as they sit in 8-11? and 11? Uh, You know, just finding consistency. And I, uh, it's, it's been a little bit of, a, of an up-and-down start to our season. And, and you know, in a three-week season, uh, the, the last two weeks, we have, we have played, we're, we're playing about as middle of the pack as you can play. You know, it's, it's three up, it's three down, we're we're 500. It's just finding that, that good traction and, and you feel good about winning four in a row and then you give it back. I, I, I'm pleased with so many things that we're seeing, but it's just uneven. You know, I, we've, we've got a number of guys off of very good starts and then a number of guys who just aren't contributing much at all. And then somewhere we need to, to find a better balance. Yeah. If you were to point to some of that inconsistency, what would be some of the factors that have played into the team? Just maybe not being as consistent as you hope. Uh, you know, I, I will say that over the last two weeks, our pitching, in my opinion, our pitching has been very good to better than very good. Uh, I think we number one pitching staff in baseball for the last two weeks in, in terms of war. And it's, uh, we've, we've done a very good job of, of creating soft contact. We got back into, you know, what we do in dominating the strike zone. Uh, four of our starting pitchers have been clicking on, on all cylinders, really. And I 
thought Marco's outing yesterday was really one of his best in the last you know couple of years. He was awesome. So it's a, the pitching has been everything we could hope for. The offense we have played about middle of the pack. You know we've we've been an average offense where we have struggled is hitting situationally, and you know that's been a bit of an issue in in the times you know, years past when we've struggled, and it continues to be an issue with this club is, is the consistency fight, getting the runner over, getting the runner in. And, and I think that's, what's really getting us in the, the late innings or the extra innings is the inability to consistently do that. So as a, as a, in your case, the president, but even as a manager, as anybody in management with the team, what can you do about that? Is there a philosophical difference? Is there, is it an execution thing? Is it a teaching thing? What, what can you do to help that? Uh, these our players know it, you know, and and sometimes, and I, I've lived this in my life, and I, I know, you know, Scott has. We've talked about the as players, you know, we we've all gone through struggle, and and you know how to do it. You you are good at executing these things. These guys are the best players in the world, and and sometimes you just go through a small sample size funk. And you know, as I said when I when I walked into Scott's office yesterday morning, you know. I, Weird things happen, and I might not have used those those, those same words. <laughs> Weird things happen in small spaces, and you know when we're talking about sample sizes like these, that's what we have to deal with. But you know we're not doing the the consistently doing the things that the good teams do in in those late innings, and and I think it was the the juxtaposition of the extra inning game with the Brewers uh, the night before last, when you know when in the extra inning. The left-hand hitter comes up, hits the ground ball to the right side, moves the runner to third, and you know they get him in. And it's a, we're just not doing that thing quite as as routinely as we've done it in years past, or when we're our best. How does this unusually cold April? I know we're used to wet and dark Aprils at times, but this one feels unusually cold. Do you feel like that's impacting some of the newer bats? Uh, you know it is, and it's the. the they know, you know, there's, this is, this will pass. The The weather will warm. The other team is hitting in the same conditions that we're hitting in. Our, our pitchers are doing a phenomenal job. I have always believed it is easier to pitch in the cold than it is to hit in the cold. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to hit in the cold. <laughs> it's, it's hard on your hands and, and to do it day after day with no reprieve is, is not easy, but you have to find a way. And, you know, we're, we're not doing that as again, as consistently as we'd like. I, I am pleased with, you know, the, the start that we've got the top six in our lineup are doing good things. And, you know, JP Crawford is getting on base, you know, 35, 40% of the time, which is great. We just need to build that bridge from the top six to, to the bottom to, to consistently churn. And, and our run scoring has been, you know, very ordinary. We've been average, which is kind of where we were last year. And, and we do feel like, there is if we can build that bridge and really get guys going it's it it stands to be a very good offensive club we just have to get to that point so do you have enough offensive weaponry now uh no not the way we're swinging the bats you know i think the there's a hole we we consistently wind up in a position where we, we have players that have not gotten off to good starts and the you know the wheels landing on their spot in the order with with an opportunity to to do damage and well, it's it's hard on players when when that's happening, and and the answer to the question and how, how do you solve it? You wait it out because these are these are good major league players who have performed in their careers, and 
and it's happening around the league with other teams as well. It's we're not the only team that, that that has gone through this type of struggle and and won't be the last in the early part of the season. We just have to we have to grin and bear it and, and get through it. So as someone in your position, how do you handle and and deal with or explain even a player coming to a new city and doing something completely differently than they've always done? And sometimes that's the positive, right? It's Eugenio Suarez showing up last year and being a really you know, surprising addition or Ty France who becomes even better than what you had seen. And then sometimes it's, you know, Jesse Winker last year, whose numbers didn't equate to what they had been in the past or this year with Colton Wong, his, his OPS is like 450 some odd points below his career average. How how do you deal with that and account for that in your job? You know, again, you just chalk it up to small samples. And and then when it becomes a bigger sample, you have to figure out how to solve it. But in, you know, in small samples, all you can look at is the player's process. You know, what is the process? What pitches are they swinging at? You know, and this is where I continually go back, especially with Colton. But, you know, I think it's unfair to, to point to Colton as the we have a number of guys mm-hmm. who are struggling and underperforming their their career norms and you know Colton's one of them but the pitches he is choosing to swing at and and that's really all we can look at I, he's swinging at the right pitches he's taking the right pitches and you know his process has been good which tells me that it will turn you know there's there's really there's really nothing about the way Colton's going about it that is wildly different than in any other year of his career. And he's, he is a good player with a very steady track record who I think will turn it around. Has that been true of some of the other guys who have also been struggling? I, it's funny you kind of said there is more than Colton. You're absolutely right. And Brock and I were going through this earlier today. You know, there's only four guys right now on the team whose OPS this year is higher than their career OPS. Everyone else is lower, not always a huge amount lower, but that's a, a pretty significant amount. Are, are you seeing some of those same positive signs with some of the other folks who've been in that seven and eight spot? You know, with some, with some, yes, with some, no. And, uh, but the, you know, at the end of the day, that's all you can really judge. And in such a small sample as we have to deal with right now is, is to, to just dig into their process. And, you know, I am certain that that Teoscar Hernandez will walk again. You know, I am certain that the, our seven and eight hitters are not going to run, uh, you know, a BABIP in the low 100s for the season. Uh, it's a, it's just not the way baseball works. And we talked last week about the the struggles of our DHs, and it has been a struggle. Our, our DHs are running a, a batting average on balls in play that is nearly a hundred points below the 2019 in the league. <laughs> so it's again, not something that is, it's sustainable in, in a, uh, in a good way for us. It's just not likely to turn out that way. And, you know, it's a, a lot of those guys, you know, entering yesterday, AJ Pop was hitting the ball hard close to 50% of the time. And, you know, and at some point, and I said this, you know, when we spoke about Colton a week ago, I say it now, at some point, no matter how many years you have in this league and, and no matter what type of success you've had, you start to press. You start to feel, you know, the the eyes on you. You start to feel like, oh, I need to get something done here. And then you get outside of your game and that creates a slump. And, you know, it's it's tough to – you're going to have a bad week. You're going to have a, a, a tough 10-game run. That's just the way baseball works. But these guys are – 
these guys are, are experienced, good major league players that, that have done it for a long time, and, and I have faith that they're going to get it on track. You can download the full Jerry DePoto show at seattlesports.com or wherever it is you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to this show at seattlesports.com. Extra innings, downloading every hour of every show. It's available at your fingertips at seattlesports.com or on the Seattle Sports app. Hour two around the corner, Mariners infield coach Barry Hill, his visit with the dugout. That will come your way at 8.15. But up next, John Denton of Cardinals.com. He joins me to preview this weekend series. Don't go anywhere. Extra Innings continues on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.